My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm actually the Next Steps pastor. And uh, one of our core beliefs here at JCI is spiritual growth. We believe in spiritual uh, growth because every person has a next step. Every single one of us has a next step. We don't stay stagnant in our life. We're always moving. We're always growing. And uh, so since I'm the next steps guy, I hope to make your uh, next steps today very clear, right? Doesn't it make sense if the next steps guy gets to preach that you hope by the end of the day you know what your next step is? And so I'm going to make this really simple today. I hope to lay out a real clear, simple outline for you. I'm going to do this with what I want you to know, what I want you to feel, and what I want you to do. And so let me ask you, have you ever been right where God wants you to be? doing exactly what God wants you to do. Let me say that again. Have you ever been right where God wants you to be doing what God wants you to do? And do you listen and act when God nudges you? Do you listen and act when God, you, you sense it. I could sense that he's nudging me to do something. Do you do something about it? I recently had a chance to go visit my mom. Uh, my mom flew her whole family down and we spent some time at her place there in Florida and then I came home, and I'm on my way back. I'm, I'm on the first leg of a flight getting ready to get on the plane. And I'm sitting in the terminal, and this guy comes up, and I'm working on my computer. I'm trying to get caught up. You, if you've ever uh, been away, you know that uh, when you come back from vacation, you have a pile on your desk. And so I'm trying to get that, that pile knocked out. I'm, I'm a little busy. And so I, I uh, see this guy sitting just a, another uh, space away from me course in the airport you never sit right next to anybody right you always you always have to space yourself but this guy's close enough that I'm not intending to but I can hear his conversation he's on the phone with somebody and he's kind of slurring and he's kind of you can tell he's having a tough day and uh, while he's talking it becomes clear he's talking to his wife and uh, he starts saying hey I'm doing the best I can I made it this far you know I I know I'm going to get to rehab I'm going to get there and so I'm like, man, this, this guy's really got some things going on in his life. He's struggling. And while I'm talking to him, he reaches into his backpack and he grabs one of those travel-sized vodkas. And he slams it right in front of me. And uh, literally within 30 seconds, spits most of it up and throws up on himself and on his bag. And I'm like, oh boy, we've really got someone in trouble on our hands here. And of course, I can, I'm, I'm sensing, okay, God, I, you're nudging me. You know, it's obvious that you're telling me, help this guy. He needs some help. He needs some encouragement. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I'm busy, and he just threw up on himself. This, is, this isn't going to be easy. And uh, so he gets done with his conversation, and he passes out. And I'm like, oh, man, this, he's got to get on his flight. And so I let him sleep for a little while, and then it's time to, to, uh, to board, and he's not budging. And so I wake him up, and I said, hey, man, I you got to get on this flight, right? We're all boarding. I try not to, you know, interfere in his life at that point. I, I don't know him. And uh, he said, yeah, and he didn't have a boarding pass. So I had to help him get a boarding pass. So he gets in line. I get on the plane. I'm thinking, okay, good job. I, I helped this guy. And then I get off the plane and uh, I'm, I'm off and I, all of a sudden I feel that nudge again. How's he going to, where's he going, Ryan? Do you know where he's supposed to be? If he's going to get to rehab, does, is he flying somewhere else? And so I I, I stay right there, and uh, I'm asking for the courage again. I can sense, God, you're, you're wanting me to do something. 
I, I need the courage to do it because what if, what if he gets mad for interfering in his life, you know? What if he says, well, what, do you listen to my conversation? How do you know where I'm going? So I'm a little anxious about what to do, but I decide to walk up to him because he, he comes off the plane and he's kind of staggering and I could just tell he's in a stupor. And I walk up to him and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm a pastor and I don't, I don't mean to interfere in your business, but I couldn't help overhearing that as you're going to rehab, I was, you know, I was sitting next to you and, and I help people all the time who are dealing with issues and, and, and I begin to kind of give them bits of my story. I said, look, actually, I, 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 I had a real struggle with alcohol. And if any of you know my story, I was a, I was a, a drunk scumbag womanizer. I mean, that, that's who I was until God changed my life. And so I, you know, I gave him bits and pieces of, of, hey, you know, I've struggled, but God got me through this. And I'm trying to build some hope into his life. And it's crazy because it turns out, we find out he's going to L.A. And uh, I look at where my terminal is or where my gate is. I'm at C4. He's at C5. Literally right across. It's like, okay, God, this was, this was a mission. And as I'm talking to him, he just keeps saying, where did you come from? What? Where, how, why are you talking to me? I said, I, I don't know. I was just, it, it's the right thing to do. I just could tell that I was supposed to help you. And because he was pretty inebriated, five minutes later, it's like a, you know, a kid who has a concussion. You know, they're asking you every five seconds what happened. This kid, where did you come from? Are you an angel? And I, no, no, I just, I, you needed help. And then he starts breaking down crying. He said, my wife was at work and we're really struggling in our marriage and this lady was saying God's going to get us through God's going to help us through and then here you are what are you who are you and what are you doing here and I just said God wants me to help you obviously so I had lunch with him and I help him to get on his plane and I get his phone number and I've been I've been texting him and I don't know if he's been getting any of it of course he's in rehab so I don't know if he gets his phone or not but I've been just trying to encourage him so pray pray for John but what about you do you listen and do you act on when God nudges you? Today, I want you to know about spiritual impact. I want you to know about spiritual impact and what God wants from you. So this is for every one of us, right? It's for every single person here because spiritual impact comes in, in different forms. It comes in different levels. Um, but I want you to, to open up your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And our ushers have some. If you don't have one, that's, that's okay. We have one that you can borrow. Of course, you can use the JCI app, or maybe you have a Bible app you want to check out. If you need to keep this, this Bible's yours if you don't have one. If not, you can lay it on the uh, counter on your way out. But 2 Timothy chapter 2 says this, verses 1 and 2. You then, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss this. There's an amazing takeaway from this verse. Every Christian needs to look at themselves as a link between two generations, those who are far from God and those who are becoming passionate Christians. Every one of us has to, to realize that we're a link between those who maybe don't even know if there's a God, aren't so sure, but maybe they're sinking. We need to be a link to help them to understand that there's a God who loves them and has a plan for them. Every one of us has to be a link. And let me tell you the significance of this verse from 2 Timothy. See, this is Paul, and he's writing to Timothy, and Paul is in prison. He's been arrested for preaching the gospel, and 
And uh, he now is writing to encourage people. His ministry doesn't stop. He's continuing to be a link trying to help other people. And he's, he's talking to Timothy. And, and Timothy has learned so much. And Paul's probably going to die soon. And, and Timothy's learned so much from Paul. And now Paul's asking him to be the link, to be the spiritual catalyst to the next generation of people. And so the question is, if Paul dies and Timothy doesn't pass it on, Timothy isn't a link to others, what happens? What happens to the church? What happens to the people that he's supposed to minister to? What about the people that are on the plane that he's supposed to talk to? Who's going to reach them? William Barclay's a, a Bible theologian. And he had a great quote that I want to share with you. He said this, The Christian church is dependent on an unbroken chain of teachers. It's dependent on an unbroken chain of teachers. And then an early church theologian, Clement, uh, he was writing to the church in Corinth later, and he says this, the teacher is a link in the living chain which, uh, which stretches unbroken from this present moment back to Jesus Christ. It literally is an unbroken chain that is stretched in order for you and I to hear the good news. And what's crazy is Paul has been saying this. If you read his letters, Paul is telling people this left and right. In one case in particular, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, he says, do what you have learned, do what you've received, do what you've heard, follow my example. The things you've heard me do, the things you have witnessed and seen, me ministering to people, spreading the word, depending on Jesus, having spiritual impact on people's lives, do these things. And then he says, the God of peace will be with you. And I know sometimes that this, this peace that Paul alludes to, I understand sometimes it can be elusive, right? We allow fear to creep into our life. We allow worry to cripple us. We, we begin to think that, that we're not able to do anything. And instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us, instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us with strength and with, with peace and with power, and, uh, and, and being able to do something great for God, we end up sitting on the sidelines. We end up sitting out. We, we, we don't think we can have any spiritual impact. And so today, I want you to know three things when you walk out this door. I want you to know three things. And number one, that's that God believes in you. And it leads me to this great Bible story, one of my favorites in the Old Testament. It's a story of God believing in and nudging a man to do something great for God, to have a great spiritual impact for God. See, in the Old Testament, we learn that the Israelites are God's chosen people. And of course, they, they turn their back on him and, and they get led into captivity, into Egypt. And then, of course, we know Moses comes along and leads them out of captivity, right? We've seen a number of great movies or whatever that depict that, the parting of the Red Sea, I recently got to, to watch the play down in Branson that the sight and sound and they had Moses and it was, I kept wondering, how are they going to part the Red Sea? How are they going to part the Red Sea? And then, then they did it and it was awesome. I just said, that's, that was amazing. So you got these great Bible stories and Moses, Moses frees the uh, Israelites. And then Joshua leads them into the promised land. And so they're on this spiritual high. Things are going great. And Joshua, you know, of course, gives them all these, be strong and courageous and make sure, you know, follow God. And then time goes by, and they don't. And then we pick up here in the Judges. And the Judges is all about the, the Israelites following God and then turning away. Following God and turning away. And so we pick up in Judges chapter 6. 
So read along with me here. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. They were in hiding. They were in their land literally hiding because people were coming and trying to kill them and steal from them. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out uh, before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you've not listened to me. They end up worshiping all those idols. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? And when they, when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in, strength, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the uh, Midianites, leaving none alive. So the Israelites, God's people, have, have strayed away from God. And now God is encouraging his man, Gideon, he's encouraging him to lead his people out of this oppression and back into a right relationship with him. But Gideon did what so many people do. Gideon doubted his abilities. He doubted that he was going to be able to do it. In fact, here's what I have found and what I have been guilty of. Every Christian doubts their abilities. Every Christian doubts their abilities. Listen to what Gideon said again in verse 15. He says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Who am I? Who am I to do anything? And maybe you're sitting out there today, and you're wondering the same thing. Who am I? But God believes in you. And the second thing I want you to know today is that God wants to use you. Did you catch the life that the angel of the Lord was pouring into Gideon? Did you catch what Gideon, uh, what God saw in him? Three times we see what the angel of the Lord is pouring into them. And I love this. It's a great reminder for me, the times that I struggle and the times that I have doubt. Judges 6.12, did you see what he said? When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
Just breathing life into him. Did Gideon see himself as that? No. Was he even a mighty warrior yet? No, he was speaking life into him and encouragement to him. In Judges chapter 6, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. Again, he's believing in him. He's saying you can be used. And in verse 16, he said, I will be with you. There's times where I'm trying to encourage my kids to know that, that, that they can do all things through Christ, that they can know. And I say, look, the God of the universe is with you. Nothing's impossible when he's with you. He can encourage you. He can see you through it. You can do it. And so I believe today God has sent me to tell you that he sees more in you than you see in yourself. Listen to that. I believe God has sent me to tell you that he sees more in you than you see in yourself. And Gideon believed it. With God's leading, Gideon mustered a mere 300 men. Of course, he had more, but God's plan was to whittle it down to just 300. But Gideon mustered the courage in a mere 300 men to literally deliver his people from the oppression and back into a right relationship with God. So, you know, what's interesting is as I think about what God's called me to do, it is nowhere near as dangerous as what Gideon got called to do. And most of us, we don't get called to do anything near as dangerous that Gideon got called. Most often, it's not like that. It's, it's hey, reach out to the person you sit next to at work. Or, hey, go talk to your neighbor. Or, hey, hey, go encourage that guy. It's usually nowhere near that dangerous. And I believe, again, that God's message for me today is to give you, uh, is to breathe life into you to know that you can have a spiritual impact in the world. And you might be sitting there today doubting whether or not you have any abilities to do so. You might be sitting there already thinking, but you don't know me, not me. You're already thinking, well, God can't use me. And on the flip side, what's interesting is you may be sitting there today and you know that you're equipped. You know that God can use you. You know that God has, has led you in a way that you have the abilities to have spiritual impact on people, but maybe you're hesitant. Maybe you've allowed some other priorities to get in the way of you being used by God. And I want you to know today that God wants you to be believed in. God wants you to feel believed in. And God wants you to feel encouraged. And God wants you to feel courage. God wants you to know that he's with you. And God wants you to feel needed. You may not today, but that is what, when I said earlier, I want you to walk out of here and I want you to feel something this is what I want you to feel. I want you to feel encouraged and believed in and have courage. I want you to know that. There's a great book that our small group leaders are reading right now, and it's called Becoming a Contagious Christian. It's a great book. It's by Bill Hybels and uh, Mark Middleberg. And there's a quote in there that I want to share with you. It says, hard as it is to grasp... God has chosen us to be his agents. He's given us the honor of speaking on his behalf, and he promises to empower and use us in the process. I love that last part. He's given us the honor of speaking on his behalf, and he promises to empower and use us in the process. See, God didn't, God didn't use Gideon because he was the strongest. God didn't use Gideon because he was the most courageous, but because I believe Gideon was willing to believe who God said he could become. There's so much difference in that. 
There's some people with the most potential in here, but they, they don't believe it and they won't do anything. And there's some of you that you may not have as much potential. You may, but you're going to believe it. And because you're willing to believe it, you're going to do something great. You're going to have great spiritual impact for God. Do you? Do you today? If you were to answer, if God was to ask you, do you believe? Do you believe that God has great plans for you? You have to believe that he wants to use you. And the third thing that I want you to know today is that God used somebody like you to reach you. See, God didn't use Paul to reach me. He didn't use Timothy. Timothy didn't reach me. But Timothy believed who God said he could become. And he reached people in his time who then link after link after link reached my parents. And then they helped reach me. You see, Timothy just believed who God said he could be, and then each person became a link. There was an unending, unbroken chain of people who believed who God said they could be, and they reached my parents. And my dad helped me to come to know Christ. See, he came to Christ 25 years ago and realized at the time that he had a 19-year-old son who was far from God. 19-year-old son who was living for himself, doing his own thing, I didn't grow up in a home that we went to church much. I didn't grow up in a home where we, do, we knew much about godly things. I did not own one of these. In a men's Bible study recently, we were kind of talking about, hey, uh, what's your first memory of the Bible? And I was like, this one? And this is actually my wife's. She got one before I did after she gave her life to Christ. And then I went, she got it at an outlet mall down in Osage Beach. And I, w- I traveled the state of Missouri at that time. So when I was at Osage Beach, I went and got me one. And I'm not sure. I've lost that thing twice. And I found it after five years. And now I can't find it again. But my first memory of a Bible was this one. Because she started reading it. I had to get one like it. And so my dad started praying for his lost son who needed Jesus. And I'll have to be honest with you. Guess what I thought of him at first? I've told somebody that I thought he'd flipped out. I thought he was a weirdo. I thought, God, uh, Dad, you just went all Jesus on me. You just went all crazy. What is this thing all about? Until I realized that God just wanted to have a relationship with me. He, wouldn't, he didn't want to condemn me. He, didn't want, he, wa- he wanted to love me. He wanted to forgive me for the dumb things I was doing in my life. And so my dad breathed life into me and helped me to come to know Christ. And then my mom always believed in me. I've got a great mom and I do have some siblings, but, you know, my stepdad always jokes that my Ryan, my mom is always saying, my Ryan, so uh, there's no favorites, but I might be the favorite. But, uh, so my mom has always breathed life into me, and I, uh, I went into the ministry 12 years ago, and I had an ordination, and, uh, which meant they, you know, men of the church came around and, and prayed over me, and I, I became an ordained pastor. And for that event, my mom gave me this. And uh, it says, dedicated to my son, and it's October 10th, 2004. And guess what verses are on this? 2 Timothy chapter 2. And so I've hung on to this. This sits in my office right now at JCI. My mom breathed life into me. 
And my mom was a link to help me to grow in my faith. And what's interesting is I never, I never thought that God would have a path for me. I remember people breathing life into me and saying, one day you're going to be in the ministry. And I thought, no, I doubted my abilities. No, I can't do that. And now, now God's used me. What's interesting is that my path started small. What I did, my spiritual impact wasn't huge at first. I remember just being faithful with one thing at a time, little next steps that God led me to do, that Heather and I were doing together, little next steps that God was leading us to do. We started serving in the children's area, and I can remember the night before kind of learning, who's this Joseph guy? And we got to teach Sunday school in the morning. You know? And then we were learning who Moses was. And then we were leading, because God had done such a work in our life and transformed our life, I wanted to help other students to try not to make the same mistakes that I was making or that I had made and was still in some ways trying to work on my life. And then I started leading a men's group, and I love leading men's groups. And I was growing, and all I was doing, I was learning as I went, and I just, I just started sharing with others what God was doing in my life how he was encouraging me, how he had helped me to get some friends who were causing me to stumble out of my life and, or at least distance for a while until I was strong enough to where I could hang out with them but they didn't cause me to do things that I regretted. And I just started sharing with others what God was doing in my life. So let me ask you, who's breathing life into you? Who's been nudging you to have more and more spiritual impact that maybe you've been pushing back or maybe you've been thinking, ah, not me, not me. But here's, here's who I know has been nudging you, whether you're listening or not. God has been nudging you. God has been nudging you to have greater and greater spiritual impact or to listen. I had a man come up after the first service and told me about a nudge that he got last week. And I was like, man, that's, it was so good to hear that someone is listening to the nudges that God is giving them and he was taking action. He just stopped on the side of the road to help a guy who had a, 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 a trouble with his vehicle. And then he could tell something. He just said, can I pray for you? And the guy just glowed like, that's exactly what I need. He was just faithful that God had nudged him. And so I know that God has been nudging you. The question is, are you listening? And here, here's the thing that we have to remember. We have to continue. We have to keep being a link in the chain. We have to keep it going. If we stop, what will happen? If we stop sharing our faith, if we stop encouraging others, if we stop helping people, if we stop plugging into people who need it, we, 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 we no longer are the link in the chain. See, Paul again instructed us in Ephesians chapter 4 about the importance of equipping others, about the importance of helping them to make spiritual impact. He says this in verse 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the excuse me, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, God needs you. God needs you to teach others what you've learned. And my, my final challenge for you this, this morning, I want to read this to you, is that you are the catalyst for somebody's spiritual development if. You're the catalyst for someone's spiritual development if you're willing to share who God is to you. 
God needs you to teach others what you've learned. What lessons in life have you learned? What things have God encouraged you through that you could pass on to others? What wisdom have you gained because you've been through certain experiences that you then could help somebody else? What growth have you experienced through reading your Bible that this routine, man, this has helped me so much. I think I, think I could help that other guy who I can tell is newer in his faith. What, what things have you learned to take to God in prayer that literally would crush you if you had not learned to, to hand them off to God through prayer that you could model for somebody else? What few verses have you memorized that, boy, these have been the things that if you didn't have them, you, won't, you don't know if you could have made it. But these few verses that you've memorized that you could pass on to somebody else. What has God done in your life that God is waiting for you to have a spiritual impact on somebody else. He's saying, I need you. I need you to do this. I need you to be a link in the chain. See, people try to make complicated all the time spiritual impact. But this is spiritual impact. This is being used by God, taking what God's shown you, taking what God has led you through, and passing it on to other people. That is spiritual impact. So I've helped you learn what I want you to know today, that we're all supposed to have a spiritual impact. And hopefully I've shown you what I want you to feel, believed in, courageous that God is with you. I hope that you'll know that God wants to use you. And then what I want you to do today is that the one of the best ways to have spiritual impact on people at JCI is through small groups. And so I want you to take out this card that's in your bulletin today. I hope you'll take it out, and I want to walk you through it. I hope one of you, all of you, will check a box saying, I'm willing to be a link in the chain. I will not let it break. I'm willing to be a link in the chain. I will not let it break. And here's what I need some of you to do. I need some of you, I want all of you, but those who are not in a group, I want you to get into group. And yes, our groups are to help people to make friends and to grow spiritually. But do you realize that you can also have spiritual impact on the people that are in your group? You may not be the leader. You may, you may not have great wisdom, but you can be an encouragement to somebody else in that group, which is having spiritual impact. So I hope every one of you will say, I'm interested in joining a group. And then we need some of you to become a small group apprentice. To say, hey, I may not be ready to lead a group on my own yet, but I'm ready to walk alongside someone over the next six months so that one day I could lead my own group. But I'm willing to, to be in there as an apprentice where I can learn. I can, I can get partnered with someone that I could kind of look up to and learn from for the day that I'm ready. So I need some of you to say, you know what, that's me. I may not be ready to lead one yet, but I, I'm ready to be an apprentice. And then I need some of you. I need 12 of you. I'm hoping for at least 12 people today that say, I know that I'm equipped. I know that I can do this. Maybe you've done it in the past. Maybe you took a break. But I need 12 of you to say, I'm willing to lead a new small group this fall. You could come to the training today. We actually have a training today at 3 o'clock at the church building for an hour and a half. And I'd love to talk with you and love to help get you involved and go to the training. And we could figure out what that would look like. But I would love 
for 12 of you to say, I'm willing to be a men's small group leader or a women's small group leader or my, my spouse and I are willing to open up our home and, and begin to help facilitate a group. You don't have to be a PhD. You don't have to be 27-year uh, mature Christian. But we will walk with you to help you and we would love for you to sign up to say, I'm willing. And if you can't make today's training, we have another one on August 14th at 3 o'clock at the building. You know, as I close, my hope is that the short time that I spent with what I'd like to call my new friend John is that it had a, a spiritual impact in his life. And I'm hoping he, he realizes that there's a God who loves him and has a plan for him. And I even breathed this life into him when I was with him. I said, John, because he goes, I hope I can do this. I hope I can get well. He said, I've been married for 18 months and I really feel bad. My wife is wonderful, but I'm, I'm tearing her apart. And he said, I have two great stepkids and they hate me because of what I've done. And he just kept saying, I hope I can do this. And I said, John, I want you to know that absolutely you can get well. Absolutely you can give your life to Jesus and you can help others. I want you to look so past being well that you're now helping other people. That all the mistakes that he was, he's like, he kept, again, he kept saying, where are you from? He's like, I'm bad. He did, he kept saying, I'm, I'm evil. I'm like the devil. I said, what are you talking? No, you're not. You're struggling. You need some help. I said, I want you to see yourself in light of being able to do something great for other people. And you're going to get through this, but know that you are. And I look forward to John being a link in the chain for somebody else, for the next flight that he's on a year from now, for somebody at his work that needs some help. I'm looking forward to hearing. And I told him, I said, I'm going to be back to my mom's. It may be six months, it may be a year, but I want to have lunch with you and I cannot wait to see what God's done in your life. And he said, let's do it. Now he's in rehab and he hasn't been able to text me back, but I'm hoping that God is doing a great work in his life. But I hope that he will be a link in the chain just like I'm hoping everyone in this room today will be a link in the chain, that you won't leave here today without doing that. You won't leave here today without committing to being the link that God wants you to be. And so I want to close in prayer.